brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. It's Sippin' Time. It's Sippin' Time, Sippin' Time, Sippin' 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 Time. Welcome to this Sips episode, where everything good in life is worth discussing. We are the best thing on at 2 a.m., and we're actually still permitted into Greenland for for once. Speak for yourself. For now. Once again. For now. That is correct. Yes, for now. I'm good old boy Mike, and joining me here at the table is good old gal Carrie Ann. Hello, I'm ginned up. <laughs> also, straight up, we ginned up. Definitely know that you're ginned up for sure. What? <laughs> uh, good old boy Sparky is here with me. I'm just trying to keep it together, Mike. For us and for America, everybody needs a goal in life. That's what we're talking about, Sparky. So doing my best here. Some of us are without a goal. <laughs> yeah. And joining us is good old boy Craig. Oi, oi. <laughs> You won't be able to tell if that's English or Jewish. That's why I said it the way I like that. (laughs) Oi, Gavals. Is that a Jewish phrase or a gin phrase? Well, our sip segments are all about wine, distilled spirits, tea, and coffee. It is cocktail time. And as we cover some of our favorite gin cocktails, we've made gallons and gallons of these cocktails in our vast research. We played with recipe variations, some different products to find the right mix. Each host has at least one cocktail, and we have a few spare ones with time permitting. So go snag that favorite gin and follow along with us, and all the recipes will actually be on our show notes as well. So uh, I guess this is my wheelhouse here. Um, uh, I started getting into craft cocktails uh, a little bit over a decade ago, and uh, uh, just really... Neophyte. Yeah, I know, right? Um, just fell in love with them. Uh, uh, it was a good time in Nashville uh, at the time. There were a lot of really great craft cocktail bars that were starting to arrive. And um, I have a weird house, but we have a second kitchen downstairs. And I kind of took over it. And uh, it basically became my laboratory, if you will. I love it. Yes. And uh, so I built this bar. It's got like 400 bottles of booze in it. And uh, I, for uh, about three years in a row, I would make a new cocktail every single night. And um, as the rigors of parenting have slowly taken their toll on me, um, really it's become this tradition, especially during COVID, where uh, once we get the kids to bed at night, uh, my wife and I will enjoy a cocktail. And uh, it's it's been fun for me because it's a way to kind of keep things interesting. Um, it's a way for uh, a way for me to kind of expand both of our horizons and palettes as well. And, um, uh, you know, I love bourbon. I, I, God, I remember when you could get amazing bourbon for nothing. And nowadays you have to stab a man and wait for them to bleed out and then take the bottle from the cold, cold corpse. Thanks, China. I know, China. Um, 
But I've always but, been a big fan of gin, and uh, I, I want to say I was uh, raised on gin. That was always a big thing in my household when I was growing up, and there's just so many fantastic classic gin cocktails, um, and we're not even going to come close to covering them all. Um, and, and by the way, a martini is only made with gin. A kangaroo is made with vodka. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, yeah. for sure. So, ding that. Yes. So, <laughs> so don't come at me with this vodka no. or gin thing. Because no. let's face it, folks, a martini is gin only. All right. Had to get that off my chest. But, uh, you know, start with a martini. How many hours of therapy was that? Dude. <laughs> Do you see that tick in my left eye right there? That's, I mean, that's involuntary. I've some people actually, with South Carolina, you know? I'm like, hey, look. I'm actually more concerned with the vermouth quotient than I am the vodka or the gin. Oh, Ooh. and you know what? You'd be right about that. Because I'm, I'm a two-to-one guy, period. And, and Even if someone asks, no. And I think we should get to that a little bit later on because I'd like to talk about the shelf life of vermouth because I think that's something that and, has and ruined I've generations. And a lot about, you know, shelf life, you know, from Sparky about that's vermouth. That's another yeah, it's show. Big, yeah. big passionate it's part wine. for me. Put it in the fridge and throw it away in two weeks. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you mean the bottle that Depends was in my on the alcohol bar? I would yeah. say that the quality of my Negronis have definitely gone up oh, thanks to you. Well, so, good, yes. man. I you hope would that, think that the wine guy would actually know what to do with wine. Uh, but, you know. Well, you know. Um, so, so anyway, um, so start with a martini, go to a gin and tonic. It's always a great standby. And then work your way up to some of the stuff that we're going to be uh, talking about today. Yeah, so we have a lot of great cocktails that we're going to be going over. Uh, the last word is what Carrie Ann has uh, made, and she always gets the last word for sure. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bijou cocktail uh, is what Craig's going to go over. The Bennett uh, is what Sparky is going to cover today. Uh, are you going to wind up and tell people like the entry point is like make a gimlet and then you just, you know. Oh, yeah. This is further down the rabbit there hole. There you go. Uh, I'm going to make the Corpse Reviver number two. And if we have time permitting, we're going to go through a couple more cocktails, the 20th Century with Sparky and the Cherry Collins. Uh, I'm going to cover that as well. So those are uh, some of the cocktails we have lined up for this episode. Listen, I hope you are so excited because these are some great cocktails to go through. We had, and we enjoyed not only making these, but we really enjoyed drinking them. Craig gets the honor of going over our sips ratings for today. The measure of excitement you have is just palpitating. Uh, you we know, are popping that my sips thing. rating. I can actually see the sweat right coming off thing. his face. So I'm I'm over 200 pounds. When I get drunk, <laughs> I don't slur. So I'm going to try to uh, read these as if I were. A smaller man. Ooh, okay. okay. All right. That works. Go mm. for it. No, I don't know if I can do this. You can't do it. <laughs> I believe in you. You, you can know do what? this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to combine a few things here. Okay. We've, we've asked Craig to be gin-soaked during I'm gonna these. I'm going to pretend yes. that That's I'm customers throughout my 28 like, years. You know a customer yeah. or two. Yes. Give me a glass of water. I need to wash out my mouth. Yeah, that sips one. Two, eh, what else do you have? Well, isn't that nice? <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. What was that again? Interesting. Oh, let's keep this a secret to ourselves. Pour me another. Number four. That's classified. Oh my god, I was unaware anything could be this good. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Number yes! five. Yes! 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 
Oh, that's me. So this is not even close to our first blind tasting of gin. Be Today. sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 To be sure. Sacrifices have been made. You should jump on Sip, Suds, and Smokes and check out our Gin 101 episode. Gin, Gin, Gin 101. Our big gin taste off where the we drank 974,000 gins. So you don't and have to. Mm-hmm. Hashtag. Never again. Never. Nope. Ever. Oof. Ever. Not doing it ever again. Except for a little bit today. Yeah. <laughs> but not again. So some of these recipes work really well with a certain style of gin, and sometimes they don't. So specific brands we'll talk about will kind of uh, lead you in the direction of why we picked them. Maybe. Maybe not. Um, but gin availability is uh, scattered throughout the country, so we're going to give you like some big tasting notes on why we picked the gins we picked for these particular cocktails, and you can figure it out or ask your bartender. That's for sure. <laughs> and th- there'll be a lot of discussion we'll have about you know different gins that we are aware about that you know all of us have have probably made you know at least one of these recipes at least once. So. Um, there was some reason why we kept going back to it 20 times or we made it once and we're done, you know. And, you know, there's some reason, you know, th- maybe the choice of products that we made, you know, around that, you know, fled into that as well. So you're up first with the last word. I always have the last word. That's for sure. That's yes. for sure. So the last word is a really classic pre-prohibition cocktail uh, rumored to have started at the Detroit Athletic Club in the 1920s. By the way, that's my kind of athletic club. I was talking. I'm sorry. (laughs) You get the last word. (laughs) I get all the words. So the athletic club. So Detroit Athletic Club, Chicago Athletic Club. I think a lot of those there places. There are a bunch like, of them. Yeah, there were many yeah. social really clubs. Really big yeah. clubs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Let's be honest. We hung out in tiny towels and drank cocktails. Right. Yeah. I'd really like to join one. <laughs> <laughs> we're all wearing tiny towels Anyone? right now. That's true. Everybody has to have a goal. Protocols <laughs> have been broken <laughs> again and again. Uh, Yeah, so all of um, the pre-prohibition cocktails, all those mentions are that this is a cocktail that had, um, that was made with equal parts of four ingredients. Craig decided they did not need equal parts, but the equal parts would be, (laughs) should we be listening to pre-prohibition recipes, um, would be equal parts of gin, maraschino liqueur, Green chartreuse and freshly squeezed lime juice. Ooh, those are several things that I like. So this cocktail is really um, a gr- it's a great. Co- I love it. Co- I love this cocktail. It's called the last word because it might be all you could talk for the day. Uh, but it's a little sweet. It's a little sour. It's a little bitter. Super boozy. Yeah. Um, so those three li- liquors that are in it are all. I can't talk. They're all all 100 plus proof. The gin you chose today is? Yeah. So I used the Freeland dry gin, uh, which is a navy strength gin. And then maraschino and chartreuse are both. Definitely booze forward. Very booze forward. And then that lime juice really brightens it up. I love this cocktail. And um, I got to I got to give a shout out to who brought this drink back to America. Yes, Murray, please. Murray Stinson from Seattle, Seattle Washington. Washington. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a that's good a good buddy. call Hello, out. Murray, yeah. if you're there. Yeah. yeah. I love this cocktail with gin. 
but it, I love the versatility of it. You can throw in like a really peaty scotch instead of the gin, or you can also use like a smoky mezcal. It's really versatile with other base spirits. That's true. I've had it with uh, some really great mezcal that I was really shocked, uh, you know, the measure of earthiness and the depth that the mezcal really brought this combination. Yeah, those flavors just lend themselves. They really worked well. Which is yeah. why I don't like equal parts. All right. Personally. Yeah. Neither does Craig Murray. Craig is against equality. Neither does Murray. No yeah. equality. But Hey, we'll oh. be right back in just no. a minute and keep on talking about the last word. Hey, welcome back to Sip, Suds, and Smokes. On today's episode, we're going through some gin cocktails, some classics, maybe some things you haven't quite run into yet. We're talking about some of our favorites and some variations that we've had around this. We're going through a cocktail called The Last Word that Carrie Ann made for us today. So you said you used the Freeland Gin for this. I used the Navy Strength Freeland Gin. It's definitely gin forward, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. And so Craig actually made this for us because he disagreed with my equal parts theory. Ooh. Okay. So you can tell me the proportions. I did not. Um, I go on a last word. I go one and a half gin, half, half, half. Ooh. You know, I think. With the Navy Strength? Wow. I think Luxardo and Maraschino, like, I love cherries. It's my favorite fruit of all time, but you've got to be careful with that. A any any more than a quarter of ounce of Luxardo or Creme de Violet. It's, it's, it's going to take wrong. over the whole it's, thing. It, it, you're totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. should never be in a drink. No. There's a rule there. Yep. yep. Um, Agreed. I, I just think, you know, if you're, if you're actually... If you actually know what you're doing, you know that you shouldn't put more than a quarter of an ounce in there. No, and and it's, for those of us who don't know what we're doing, we can enjoy like, it. I just looked up way. a recipe that said three quarters of an ounce of maraschino, and I was like, "Ew, no, that is disgusting." And and, and to be honest, your bottle of Luxardo or maraschino should last two, three years. For yep. it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. It's going to make it through there. Um, their cherries, unfortunately, will not last the night because I'm going to eat them all. Yes, for sure. Yeah, so for this cocktail, to cherry or not to cherry, I like to cherry this cocktail. Mm -hmm. I like to cherry it. I make, I make my own uh, bourbon-infused or brandy-infused uh I just cherries. finished off my last jar. Oh, I've the ones getting, I made? I've been feeding them the all to Abby. On <laughs> and every, yes. <laughs> Thank you. She appreciates it. I, God bless uh, you, sir. I have the sense of accomplishment now because, uh, listen, uh, if you are not making your own uh, brandy cherries, I have a great recipe. Um, I actually make them as uh, holiday gifts and uh, hand them out to everybody that I can think that's breathing on the planet. It's it's they, uh, they they really are quite easy to make, but they're really really good, and it should be a standard item in your bar. Yeah, I think um, when you're making cocktails at home, to really start out with the ingredients that the recipe shows, and then you can start experimenting, and that includes the garnishes. So um, for this one, equal parts or however you choose. To oh, lower like those, use before, like yeah. all yeah. the booze. Yeah. Um, but so you would shake it over ice. It's served hashtag straight up, just like me. Mm. And I, then, so I think if I would if I would have goose with this a bit, I I agree with the way that you're describing it, Craig. That um, in those proportions, it's one and a half, 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 half. But I don't think that I would have gone with the Navy Strength. Um, I just think that that just took it a bit too booze forward here. Um, you know, I've had a bunch of There's last no words. Thing. And In the year of yeah. 2020, there's I, I would have no enjoyed this thing. maybe as my third or fourth <laughs> cocktail, you know, probably. Fair. Uh, but that's fair. Uh, that was the only thing that kind of caught To me, me, this is a beef eater drink. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Oh, man. 
Yeah. I love beef eaters so much. Beef well, you definitely yeah. want like a really true hardcore Lund- London dry, dry for this. Totally cocktail. agree. Yeah. yeah. That uh, if you had gone with some botanical based gin or so, you would have just going to be off. You would have lost you, the plot. You would have yeah. been. If you're you would have been bo- writing hate mail to us forever. Yeah. If you're putting botanical gin with chartreuse, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. yeah. Oh man! So I love the other half of the conversation that Carrie Ann and I had recently around this. She was actually at a bar in Chicago. It was where you had oh, the Conchales, which is gone sadly. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about a variation of the last Ramped word, up. and I was like, "Wow, man!" It, you know, because I have had some vintage chartreuse yes. that is just off the hook, yes. amazing. So listen, I had if, it in a last word. Oh if God. you don't, uh, if you <laughs> don't. <laughs> If you don't know about uh, green chartreuse or yellow chartreuse, um, is that so? uh, It's really a fascinating product. It's over 130 different ingredients. Mm -hmm. The history of that is a whole episode of itself. It it really is. Carthusian monks like made this recipe super secret. There were wars. The recipe was on the planet that actually know all the recipes at any one time. So they did that for a point of redundancy. If one monk drops dead, the other one knows all the recipes. So they can't fly on the same plane together or ride the same donkey. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Okay. You know, we should hire these guys to more like foreign countries. I mean it's like eight hundred thousand different botanicals in Green Church. It is just every one of the and if you step back in time, so this is a product that has actually been really well cared for over a long period of time. And I, I love all of the rich history around chartreuse. And if you go back to some of the chartreuses that are you know, made in the 40s and the 50s, it is just over-the-top, amazing you know, uh, moment that you'll have. So one of the social clubs that I'm in is very whiskey concentric, but actually one of the very best products that I've had is actually a vintage chartreuse that uh, somebody came, a guest brought and shared with us that was like from 1947. And I just sat there and it was just like, Mike, are you okay? And I'm like, don't bother me. I'm enjoying this moment. I'm, I'm in this moment. <laughs> it's just, yeah, do it not. was just, it, to, to describe it as a layered beverage is just such a grand understatement. And so... If you're thinking about a way of really kicking the last word up, look for a vintage green chartreuse. Also, if you're really rich, because it's really it's expensive. That's true. I agree. <laughs> Regular chartreuse is already crazy expensive. It is, yeah. So yeah. I, uh, I like hobo chartreuse. Hard That's kind Genevieve. of the stuff. There you go. Yeah. That I, I call go it with. the secular chartreuse. Nice. <laughs> Well, I really uh, think this is a, a fabulous cocktail and um, a great rendition that should be in your wheelhouse. You can pick up actually uh, green chartreuse in a half bottle. Uh, it would probably be the most expensive uh, ingredient that you have in this. So um, I've even seen some some minis of, uh, of chartreuse. They're a little bit more difficult to find. What? but. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, but you can okay. uh, you can find a half bottle pretty easy. Or and, if you know uh, a monk. Or yeah. just ask your bartender to make you this yeah. cocktail. I agree. That would be the first yeah. way for you. Is Does that to go involve to a great leaving place my house? And uh, tell them, please don't water it down and kick it up, you know, with the proportions. I like your uh, your tip there, Craig. So if you see them just muddling it around and watering it down, just, hey, you know, especially if they grab the lime juice out of a out of a carafe, out of the uh, well. Yeah. Mm. No way, Jose. Mm-mm. For sure. You have to have fresh juice for these cocktails. It makes a world of difference. Yeah. So what's your uh, rating here on the last word? How about that? Our five. sips rating here is going to be four, a four all Counting the way around. <laughs> Great cocktail for sure. 
You know, I think, uh, Mike, one of the great thing about all these cocktails is that they're easy. Like there may be a couple of ingredients you might have to search out, but none mm-hmm. of it, you know, none of it is something that's going to be totally inaccessible in this day and age. So. Well, and that's what I like, uh, you know, about the cocktails that in we this chose. Day and is age. That none of these are just over in the, the time of COVID. I mean, there's some cocktails I make that have, you know, like. 20 different ingredients in sure. it. You know, it's all about technique on top of that. And I'm like, nobody's going to be able to. That's like cassoulet. That's a special yeah. occasion cocktail we don't need to mess with. Well, up next is Craig. He's going to talk about the Bijou cocktail that he's made for us. Yeah. So I, tell us all about this one. I had this, this drink to me is is easily my number one gin drink. Um, it's probably the oldest, too. It's 1870s, 1880s, Harry Johnson. Um, Harry Johnson did the new and improved bartender's manual. Um, if you know anything about Jerry Thomas and Harry Johnson, they were big rivals. Harry Johnson was is my 19th century idol because he was the first person to start a bartending consultant business. So he would get he would train people to, to run bars well before people knew what the heck they were doing and well before you had the ingredients available to you. And it's just astounding what he was able to do. Mm. So um, actually, you'll love this story. So... Um, I actually went to, so I went to uh, Craig's restaurant for my birthday, and the birthday gift that I got was actually Harry Johnson's book. Nice um, was actually right there. I was very the, appropriate uh, yeah, that you came so, into my yeah, restaurant. Was, and got I was that. just like, I, it was a book that I, I've I've seen other people and I've seen you know. So this is actually reproduction print. It actually is available, and I would definitely tell everybody if you really want to understand a lot of history of cocktails, Harry Johnson's book is is definitely one of those standards that you should have you'll understand basic elements of what's a flip you know you'll understand you know how you're always interplaying with citrus and sugar and great balance between it all right there's it's not just a cocktail mixing book it's the same thing i feel about joy of mixology with gads Regan 100 yeah, years later absolutely it's, like it's teaching people and whenever i was training bartenders i would make them read both those books because really there's so much more to bartending than just mixing a drink it's just not that big of a deal mm-hmm. to figure out how to mix a drink it's i mean you gotta not. get the full arm tattoos yes totally and- so what's in a bijou here so in my opinion, there's a couple things that I that I disagree with with original Bijou cocktails, and that's partially because it's we're talking 140 something years old. Um, I definitely don't think it needs a navy strength gin. Uh, I went with Gordon's because to me, if I don't have beef theater, I'm going to Gordon's. Hmm. Interesting um, choice. Clean. It's just like you know, like if, if if there should just be a stamp on the bottle of Gordon's with no label that just says gin. Like that is gin, you know, like that is exactly what I think of when I smell like it's just it, it, it's gin. It's like in Repo Man when the when the, the thing says beer, you know, like so. Got it. So uh, I use a particularly awesome Spanish vermouth called Piqueras. Uh, I, I like to use a, a, a more savory vermouth um, and chartreuse. And I go. Almost the same proportions that I do with almost every other drink, and then I lean spirit forward. Um, the original garnish was a twist of lemon over the top, removed, and then an olive or a cherry. I do an orange because of the vermouth I use, and then I do an orange, excuse me, an olive or a cherry based on what my customers are eating at the time. Wow. Okay, I've been too scared to put my olive in here. 
Oh no, it's where you want to go. Vermouth oh, you, you and olive there, in Spain is the greatest drink on the planet. Oh, I'm I'm telling you that you, you it's yeah. going to kick All it up right. like a thousand percent. Yeah, so I'm yeah. Just salt. Popping it's, it in here. Yeah, pop it in there. I oh, went totally. from like two dimensions Man. to yeah. five dimensions. Yeah. Like, the only the only thing I was pissed off about is that. <laughs> Still had more bijou and I wanted more another olive. Buddy. So. Yes, that's true. So if you're sitting s- around a bar in Spain, you're gonna drink good vermouth, olive, orange, and soda. That's what you're gonna drink. And 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 to me, that that's what I've sort of tweaked this with. Is that that's what I really like. I love I get that savory now. things. Okay. Yep. Well, it's just uh, really fabulous. And so uh, the vermouth that you picked, uh, there is um, there's something that's providing an acid quality to this. Mm-hmm. What is that? So, okay, there's another really important thing to me is is with a lemon, it's all acid, right? Yeah. With an orange twist, with this kind of vermouth, with the saltiness, you get the acid that you would get from the lemon, but you also get that really, really nice citrus on the nose. To me, lemon twists in drinks. I'm a really picky garnish person. Like, if, if you use a garnish, I want to know why the hell you use the garnish. Ooh, I, I'm going to love this conversation. Because I, I can't... So I went to a bar once years ago, and a friend of mine, and she was like, I have this great drink on the menu. And it was sounded ridiculously stupid. And it was. It was a Fernet and... Capano Antica on crushed ice with mint and sugar. And I was like, Ooh, and I got the drink and it had like a mm. bunch of mint. And I was like, A, this is the dumbest combination of things I've ever seen. But then the garnish, every time he drank it, like shoved up my nose. Yep. I hate that mint would over garnishing everything. Just like I hate over garnishing food. If you have a beautiful, beautiful piece of halibut, why are you covering it up with a bunch of crap? Yeah. That is the same with booze. I hate over garnishing cocktails. In fact, I had a rule. Everyone who's worked for me, when they start, they're not allowed to make a drink with more than three ingredients, and they're not allowed to use a garnish, or they're fired. Mm. That's it. You I like never the show cut up, of your chips, And sir. then you sort of add to that, right? Like, So you're saying a Pimp's Cup is never served at Pen- Peninsula. <laughs> well, a Pimp's Cup should have one cucumber in it, period. Period. But but that's, you know, like- Mine's a fruit salad. Yeah, right, right. But, well, look, like totally sangria is. too. But, you know, like, again, I wouldn't trust the palate of an Englishman either. <laughs> yeah, so. right. So, you know, like, they think lemonade is oh, seven mommy, up. So. strawberries and cups in the Pimp's Cup is like a fruit salad in, yeah, your, in it, your mouth. Yes. Well, and Pimm's is basically a fruit salad anyway um gin based fruit salad yes but no i i just i have a very when you have something as beautiful and as complex as a bijou or a martini because it's three ingredients right why are you over garnishing it why are why are you doing if you can explain it to me that's fine well i really love the choice that you made today uh the olive totally kicked things up spark you said you loved it too yeah you know i spent a bunch of time uh i listened to your direction and i enjoyed it fully without the garnish mm-hmm. or without the olive garnish that yes is with, with i loved the it both ways yeah and you know kind of spent some time with it and it went from two-dimensional to like 12-dimensional once i threw the olive mm-hmm. in there and i and I, it was like one of those moments where i had to like sit there and go like damn okay yeah, like, it's not just the salinity it's the little fat content that brings it into like a whole hey most manhattan's originally it. had olive garnish yeah i mean that was there not was cherry yeah, no that's true there was a lot going on and and i really appreciated the depth and complexity of all that so if you can get dexic depth and well i can't speak anymore depth and complexity of three <laughs> ingredients you know you've done a good job right well with, with anything like i you, actually know what you used in this and when i first was tasting it, i was like wow there's like some grapefruit in here because 
because it really kind of gives you some hints of grapefruit, you know, off of this. And that's what I loved is that that was not the citrus that you put in this. And yet it had, you know, um, a different citrus overtone, which tells me that you were really using a lot of the ingredients, you know, to work out, you know, the the flavor profile you're aiming for. So. I, I, one last I thing it. about the to squeeze a lemon over or to twist a lemon over the top and taking it out. Pith is important to me, especially with the orange. There's where your grapefruit comes from. Well, and we're going to talk about uh, pith quite a bit with, uh, you know, the cocktail <laughs> that I talked about today. But uh, a really great cocktail. What's going to be your rating here for the Bijou? I'm biased. I love this drink. It's we my favorite drink on the planet. Uh, how about that? Oh That's easy God. all the way around five. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. really a fantastic uh, cocktail. And uh, be sure and look at the recipe for this on our uh, show notes uh, to make this as well as Craig's made one here for us today. Well, up next is uh, Sparky. He's going to talk all about the Bennett, man. So, yeah, man. The You know, again, uh, I have children, so... <clears throat> I used to one of my uh, one of my favorite cocktails I used to make uh, was this just ridiculous Tantra sidecar, which came from the Pegu Club, and it's got to your point like seventeen ingredients and micro doses and stuff. I mean, it's just like takes you, you know, a half hour to make it. Makes me well, so angry. And the good news <laughs> is you can you you'll never get wasted because you can only make one one before it takes you're, you so yeah, long. It's just, like people who carve ice at bars. It's like my job is to tell you more, not to watch you carve. Exactly. So, um, but no, um, so the Bennett is really uh, another one of those ancient classic cocktails from days of yore. Um, ancient. The hook is... Egyptian. Yeah. The hook is that um, basically you take the uh, the recipe of a standard uh, gimlet and you throw some Angostura bitters in there. And uh, uh, Megan Dorman, who was the celebrated bartender in New York, she uh, bartended at the uh, Rain's Law Room in Dear Irving, um, actually got to open up her own bar and decided to name it uh, the Bennett after this particular cocktail. Unfortunately, it is another victim of what the restaurant industry is going through right now, um, which is so sad because I, I think um, there's there's so many great strides that have been made uh, in in the food and beverage industry and in the time that we're in. It's 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 sad to see this stuff happening to especially we'll such talented people. It will get back. It, it needs some help though. I think it really needs some help. So anyway, uh, Megan Dorman opened up this uh, restaurant uh, named after this classic cocktail. But, um, you know, I, I mean, there's nothing like a great gin gimlet. It's a very classic cocktail. Again, three ingredients, as you say, um, with that fourth little twist in there, the simple So bitters. it's lime, sugar, gin, and... Uh, your fourth ingredient is the Angostura. Yeah, and and I can't I can't stress enough. I mean, there's no excuse for anyone not to juice their own citrus. I mean, oh it's gosh. just you know you should never ever buy a pre-packaged uh, roses lime juice or anything like that. Please um, don't. Yeah, it's it's very simple to juice your own citrus, and and it makes a world of difference in these beverages. I will say this: there are some pretty good pasteurized organic juices now. Yeah, but you're absolutely right, but they're not as I feel readily available. No, yeah, they're not. That's no, that's no. I mean, I think in the and industry, I, every grocery store has a fresh lime, a fresh lemon, right. and they probably have the thing and the little doodad aisle where you can squeeze it. Yes, get it. It is the best nine dollars <laughs> you'll spend. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, totally. And, you know, so Sparky was the one that, you know, really harped on me. Oh, we'll be back in uh, one minute, everybody. Hey, welcome back to Sip, Suds, and Smokes. On today's episode, we're going through a group of gin cocktails. We've gone through some really great ones so far. We're actually having a discussion about the Bennett, which is actually a display off the Gimlet, right, Sparky? Yeah, it's it's just a fancy Gimlet. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I would ask you, no offense to the Rose's Lime Juice folks, but it's, it's so easy to just juice a bunch of limes or buy some great pasteurized product out there and, and put it out there. Make your own simple syrup. You just add boiling water to equal parts sugar if you want to do a one-to-one. It's, it's not hard. Um, there's no metallurgy or, or sort of uh, philosopher's well, stone involved, if you will. So I was actually talking about, uh, so Sparky was giving me uh, some grief a couple of years ago about- uh, I'm sorry? No, no, I love I'm this. Not. No. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I was u- actually using a, a juice out of a bottle for something, and you were like, dude, seriously- are you not using fresh citrus? And I'm I like, I don't remember that. Yeah, I know I'm you don't. Sorry, but it was a pretentious. Schmuck. I loved it. Uh, so, and um, the first time you made a Papa Doble, you know, with the with fresh uh, citrus, you know, right here in our studio, it's just like, wow, you know, this is like totally kicked up. Yeah, Papa Doble all the way, and I have absolutely made the very best uh, daiquiris and Papa Doubles ever since then. Aww. And, That's awesome, man. But the thing is, is that the thing you don't recognize that you get with fresh citrus is, is that it's not just about the juice, man. It's about all those essential oils. Absolutely. That you're getting, you know, that's coming off the fresh yes. citrus. Um, there is an aromatic quality that is just completely overtoned with all of these. As we talk about this next drink um, that you know, with the Corpse Survivor, I'll talk a little bit more about the, Great. you know, we, some of those We should mention also, peel. if you juice a few ounces of juice... Your juice changes every single day. You need to adjust your recipes based on how new or how old your juice is. No. Just like with ah. anything else. Like oh, I totally. cannot stand it when I go to one bar and I can tell you didn't back off on your lime juice. It's two days old, which is totally fine. Well, I don't understand why they don't use it fresh, you know, every day. So, you know. Because you would literally lose yeah, well, you, thousands you, you, of dollars yeah, a week. I'm sure. <laughs> so at home, when you're making these drinks and you definitely are looking to make the very best rendition of these, um, use fresh uh, citrus products. Yeah, you're at home, you're are. making cocktails Absolutely. for two people or yeah. eight or ten people for a or party. Or sometimes you've had a day that requires you to be eight people. Hey, you know, I've Some days. You know, uh, married 32 years. This is probably because I use fresh citrus because it's sparky. I'm here for you, buddy. <laughs> so that's what I got your back. So, so uh, the Bennett that you've made here, um, is, it, uh, is it something that you... Do you find yourself always, you know, when you make a gimlet, you're like, I could just add Angostura and just go the extra step? Or is it something you just, you always love that that bitterness, you know, component around this? Well, you know, I've always loved Amari and just going down that rabbit hole of really cool, funky bitters and Amari and just kind of. As we all do here on Sip, Sides, and Smokes, yeah. There yeah. might be an episode or something. Yeah, go back to Amari. any of our Amari episodes. <laughs> yeah, good old boy or good old gal Juliana has a, a lot to say about that. But um, but no, I, I mean, it kind of marries that along with, you know, a classic cocktail and, um, 
you know, I've never seen my wife unhappy after serving her. This particular there we go. Cocktail. That's what I'm talking there we about. Go. So you're saying good Bennett, happy wife. <laughs> That's uh, that what you're saying, that is man? Exactly. Angus, what I think Angus, exactly what you're saying. Angostura bitters are the most single most important ingredient to have at your home bar. I agree. Yeah. Um, it's wow. medicine. Yeah, it is. Balances every single drink. You can you use it in meatloaf. I mean, there's so many great Angostura meatloaf heartburn. recipes. Heartburn. I mean, the heartburn that you get after having Angostura yes. meatloaf yes. can be cured by more Angostura. Meatloaf. I mean, it's so, really. Uh, this is garnished with an orange pith. Is that the the? No, I, I would do a lime wheel in a okay. perfect in a perfect world. Um, I I didn't serve that to you guys because only I mean, had like forty yeah, limes. That's but true. That's okay. I know. I'm a jerk. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's it's it's easy. It's it's a simple recipe. You already have all the ingredients on your shelf, mm-hmm. um, and if you don't have it, you can get it at the grocery store because Angostura bitters is technically medicine and mm-hmm. sold everywhere. Well, let's rate up to Bennett here real quick. Super solid four all the way. Um, great, uh, great cocktail. So up next is uh, a. Cocktail I totally stole from Sparky. <laughs> I love this. So the thing is, is that so Sparky don't and and I don't live that far away from each other, but I am a sucker for watching what cocktail he's making around eight or nine o'clock around his kids' bedtime hour, and I have been vicariously just like following on like the day after he makes something. I will say I've not mastered actually making a. Uh, Stuff blue cheese olives as good as you do, um, you know it's it's That's a labor white of, girl basic. It's a it's a labor of love. Um, I'm lazy. I'll just buy you know uh, stuff blue cheese olives instead. Stop it. Yeah, I do. I'm I'm. But when he's made them, and I'm looking, I'm like, God, man. Dude, that, I need to send over a batch. Just, I've, I've just, got you. I've yeah. got you. No, no, no. Check your mailbox next week. So uh, he started making corpse survivors, and there's a lot of variations to this. Um, particular cocktail i'm gonna tell you all about it and i'll talk a little bit about uh, the one that i kind of settled into um as well it's just this very simple citrus and gin uh, combo um so i love the fact that we actually have stayed with that theme so and we actually have like two gimlet bases with a difference of green chartreuse and angostura that you know even within the cocktails we've gone through so the corpse survivor family is actually named cocktails that are sometimes drunk or alcoholic hangover cures, or potency. they're breakfast drinks, Mike. They you drink them for breakfast to save you from the previous night. <laughs> that is the beautiful thing I about know, corpse that's, survivors. That's the way it's it should a go. I agree. Drink. Yeah. So it's like this tongue-in-cheek ability to revive the dead person. Some corpse survivor cocktail recipes have actually been lost in time, but several variations commonly thought. Uh, we're ties to the American Bar at the Savoy Hotel, which uh, mm-hmm. Craig mentioned earlier. It's actually in Harry Craddock's uh, book that dates back to uh, 1930. And um, there are many variations to this. They're just kind of the general moniker of the morning after cocktail. Um, so, <laughs> And the mint julep was in that category. Yes, it was. It was, yes. Although no I actually punch. enjoy it in the infield, you know, surrounded by a bunch of other drunk people a lot better. So... Uh, the use of the words corpse survivors described um, in literature as the issue in Punch in 1861. This cocktail really goes back in time. Um, and that's one of the things that I really loved uh, about this is it is an homage to, man, you've been making this drink for 200 years, you know, and 
it has been really good the whole way around. So uh, the basic ingredients for this, um, it's uh, gin, lemon juice, Cointreau, a aromatic wine, and absinthe. Easy peasy. I will go through the whole thing about how to use this and the proportions and all that jazz. It is super easy. So listen, you're going to serve this straight up. Um, it I actually serve it in a coupe. Uh, so... Some other people like to put it in a martini glass. I serve it in a coupe. Um, works a little bit better. And Nick and Nora. <laughs> so, oh, since yeah. I Nick actually, and Nora that's is a good way glass. to go. Yeah. I actually think a whole lot in proportions all the time, much like I love the way that Craig was saying it. You know, it's like one portion of this, one portion of that. Because, um, you know, I know exactly what is in each side of the jigger, but I'm like, okay. I know what I'm doing here. I'm going to use the small side, the the large side, and you know move my way through it. It's just equal parts of of all of these things. So that's really all you got to remember. Um, the gin that I actually chose tonight was the Mahone, uh, which is a Spanish based gin. Um, I think it works well with a lot of London dry styles. I make this with Plymouth quite a bit and Navy Strength. Um, Yes, I do actually put it a bit gin forward, Craig. You'll be happy. Um, I actually probably serve a half serving more of the gin in this, uh, if I am probably totally honest, because I'm a gin slut. And um, I just want to make sure that the gin is shining through all the rest of this. But uh, again, it's gin, lemon juice, fresh lemon juice. I will tell you that uh, the way that I make this is uh, I actually buy uh, fresh lemons and... Uh, I just uh, I juice them right, you know, into the glass, into the shaker itself. Cointreau is actually the key ingredient here. And that actually brings around both orange and the sugar. There are other orange liqueurs that you can use for this. I would tell you, don't do that. Um, See, I would say never use Cointreau in every, anything. Really? I would say when Cointreau's- you're using Mahone, which is a grape-based gin, that Cointreau would be pretty cool because they're you're using the same base. sugar beet. Cointreau's Cointreau? not brandy anymore. Oh, and well. it hasn't been for a long time. That's why right. I never use it. Have I'll you take what he said? Then. I would never use a sugar beet distillate such as Cointreau in a drink so, because I'm a snob and I don't think it's very good. So because I'm not, I don't know why anyone would pay forty five dollars for a, a sugar beet distillate like Monkey Forty Seven or Cointreau. Oh. Or so, uh, so of the other orange liqueurs. Uh, so I would either use Grand Pierre Marnier. Ferrand, no, because that's 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 a. So what about would, what about O three? I don't know what that is. Oh, De Cupper's like it's uh, never mind. Yeah, it's it's so my what hat. Would you use? I would use either Royal Cambier okay. or I would use um, Pierre Ferrand Curacao. Oh He's man, fancy! Y'all. All right, so <laughs> well, well, no, because this drink originally <laughs> right. called for a yeah, brandy yeah, yeah. based orange spirit. Yeah, well, yeah. So yeah, so all right, and I, I mean, wouldn't use Lillet either. It was we women. All right, away, so, so. Uh, that's a different part of this conversation. Yeah. But I completely agree that if I had Pierre Ferrand uh, Curacao, oh, I would so totally have gone. You know, with that, I know that this is a brandy based drink. Um, but I don't think that a, a lot of modern bartenders probably make it, you know, in that style. I think this is probably more the modern. Okay, you know, then, way add, that they then, make then this. add a half ounce of brandy. Yeah, I agree. Because um, I'm not saying the brandy should be the spirit. I'm saying no, why pay 
for something that's not a good quality. So you use brandy and, and, and orange zest? Had, no, if I had Cointreau, mm-hmm. I would add a half, a, a little less. Oh, with, a quarter the Quantre- ounce of, okay. with Cointreau. Okay. Because I think the round, you lose the roundness and you get the sugar. Yeah. It's a sugar beet distillate and it's a sugar, sugar, sugar drink. And then the Lillet is the same way. I'm with Craig. Um, but they so, still charge full price. <laughs> yeah, that's well, for people, sure. Look, I get it. Cointreau is this weird mystique that it's some good brand it you know no, it was. I, I would not say that yeah. you know it was but yeah. i it do was. think it works really well um you know in this particular beverage um do i agree that if you had access to pierre uh pierre Franc, uh curacao, curacao absolutely so you know i i would there is no way you're going to tell me to put those two things on the same planet and they're even all day long the cure the pierre ferrand is absolutely going to smoke all the cointreau all day long but so the Lily Blanc, we, I, so I love the conversation we had during the break about this. And you were just saying that, you know, it is a lazy man's aromatic. Well, yeah, well, in 1986, Lillet changed uh, its recipe for the American yes. palate. So they took out what made Lillet interesting. Right. So you can get Coke Americano now anywhere. I, I, look, I wouldn't have told people this 10 years ago, but now it's everywhere. So, look, for me, if you're doing a classic cocktail such as this, something that's 80 to 100 years old, you know, I've spent most of my adult life trying to make sure that that's this is what they intended mm. to make to, to, for it to taste like. So then, why would you bastardize it? Well, I wouldn't say that the point of any of the cocktails we're talking about tonight are kind of came about in the prohibition era, and you and they were very much trying to cover up the. Bathtub gin. I completely agree. <laughs> okay, so yes. Sorry, we had bathtub gin, which was These like are pre-prohibition this drinks. They're they better, were, better booze pre-prohibition. So in the 20s, 30s, while, while right, but this, is, this is way before. This guy is. Mm. Yeah. So we, most of the drinks we've done today are well before prohibition. You are 1,000% correct. True. In that they used egg whites and they used certain things to cover this up. This is not a flip-based drink. Right. That's that is correct. correct. Yeah. So I agree with that 100%. I can make turpentine. But pre-prohibition drink, we had good booze here. We had a lot of good booze. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and that's before the accident, right? Right before the accident. No, no. And and that's true. I mean, most people don't realize that, you know, most of these great classic cocktails, including the julep, were brandy based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, beforehand. uh, And Corpse of Rockford. And the corpse of our right, right, and then and then the accident happened, and right. then we use no. And and again, I'm a, noble I'm experiment. a pain in the butt about this stuff, but I do. I have a very sensitive palate to sugar, and to me, when I look at this list, absence Lille Blanc and Blanc and Quattro, I think sugar, 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 sugar. Oh. sugar. So I'm I I hate <laughs> licorice. I I can't stand licorice, like the flavor and everything like that. So like any, I, I think you were talking earlier about no absinthe than any cocktail. No, it should or be lining the glass right yeah. it's an aromatic and and, and you like swish it and I, dump it i feel the same way with no, this that you like, don't so that was the technique uh, that i learned in making really great you know corpse survivors because um so my wife does not like can seed she doesn't like uh licorice at all and you know and and yeah <laughs> more power to her is that what you're saying <laughs> so uh it's a is it group therapy on Wednesdays at yes. like one o'clock? Is that it? Okay. We we meet up. Yeah. So 
Yeah, yeah. Hi, my name is Sparky, and I don't like licorice. Is that <laughs> yeah, how it goes? I know. I married somebody that likes it. So yeah. most people, oysters, licorice, blueberries, three most. Oh, but oysters are so delicious. So, I love them, but then yeah, I, I'm learning to navigate all of this. And so one of the things that I did with this particular uh, beverage, and and I did a little bit different, is uh, so the recipe actually calls to to rinse the glass with absinthe. And what I do is I actually put the absinthe in the in the uh, ice and shake it and then completely drain it. And that actually dilutes the yeah, absinthe down see that. dramatically. Yeah. Okay. And so the absinthe that I've actually chosen for this course survivor that. is third stage, which is a local is a local uh you know absinthe that is made. Yeah. Um and but I you know one of the things I've noticed is that it really doesn't matter what absinthe, you know, that you're really probably using for this with that much, you know, water you're introducing, you know. Um, do not skip on the, on the orange peel out of this or the orange. Uh, um, it's very citrus forward. So between yeah. the Cointreau, the lemon, all, like there's a lot of citrus coming I actually make it. the orange twist right over the glass to drop all those essential oils in. You know, really I kind of bring this home. I, you know, I can't say enough about Pierre Ferrand, mm-hmm. 1840, and their dry curacao. They're just such mm-hmm. incredible products. Uh, well, let's rate up the uh, Corpse Survivor here real quick. What do you guys give it? Oh, I think it's the best breakfast drink you could ever have. <laughs> <laughs> I love a Corpse Survivor. I'm going to stick with five. Oh Greg, yeah. Greg is Greg's making a march to... Uh, he says no. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, really great uh, gin cocktails all the way around. Listen, we have a cup of cocktails we didn't get to, which is the uh, Cherry Collins, as well as uh, Sparky's Drink, which is the 20th century. We'll include those recipes on our show notes. Definitely check those out. Um, I will tell you the fastest moving alcohol I've ever had in my house is that Luxardo Sour Cherry Gin. It is just absolutely smoked through the house. That is uh, that's a delicious product. I need to make that in yeah. like five-gallon moves. So. Oof. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you're listening to us online, do yourself a favor and tap the subscribe button. Just tap it in. There we go. Just tap it in. Give it a I'm sorry. <laughs> Adam Sandler speaks to me at a The easiest level. way to listen to our show is with Siri, Alexa, Google, or Uncle Larry. Just say, play podcast, Sip, Suds, and Smokes. We love your feedback and reach us online at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flood on Twitter. Our handle is at sipsudsandsmokes, and our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. Do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. Five stars. And it's a big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. My big thanks to my co-hosts here, Carrie Ann from Straight Up 615 and a lot of other places. I live a straightup615.com but also my Instagram straightup.615 because people who ride skateboards upside down are straight up. <laughs> Thank you to good old boy Sparky. I only have to do three more of these episodes before they take off the ankle monitor so I appreciate <laughs> it Mike. Thanks for getting me in a Thank better place. Thank you to uh, good old boy Craig. PeninsulaNashville.com book on Resi. Thanks. This good old boy Mike asking you to keep on sipping. Last word. This has been a one tan hand production of Sip Suds and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>